Welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. My name is Anna. I'm Sam. And today we're finishing up the Ahsoka and Younglings arc. Woohoo! So we're doing the Clone Wars Season 5, Episodes 8 through 9, Bound for Rescue and Unnecessary Bond. So where did we leave off? So we left off, Ahsoka got aliened out of her ship where she was escorting the younglings back from making their lightsabers. She got sucked into Hondo Onaka's pirate ship. She's been captured. And we pick up immediately after that fact with the younglings, R2 and Professor Huyang. Who are calling for help. They're calling for help. So they get in touch with Kenobi. Oh, wow. Master Kenobi. I know. They're so excited. They probably have posters of him up in their bedrooms. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cody, Commander Cody, is supposed to go escort them home. But all of a sudden, right before he can leave, fighters pop out of hyperspace. It's General Grievous. And he has a bone to pick with Kenobi. Yeah. And it's a crazy space fight. It's a crazy space fight. It's been a minute since we had one of these insane intergalactic space fights. So it's very exciting. But more importantly, it's up to the younglings to figure out what they're going to do next. So they're in their ship. They're sitting around finishing their lightsabers. Mm -hmm. And Zat, who is our Nautilon, you know, Kit Fisto lookalike, comes in and there's a problem. The coolant system for the ship is effed. So they have to land on the nearest planet, which just so happens to be Florum. And by this point, they've been waiting for several hours or days for a rescue. And none is forthcoming because they haven't received any word from Kenobi or Cody that they are involved in combat now. So Zat is like, okay, well, we got to land. We got to let the engines cool. So IDK, like, might as well mess around and rescue Ahsoka while we're at it. Um, and I should mention that R2 is still gluing Professor Hu Yang's head back on. So he cannot argue there were no authority figures to be found near Florum that day. I mean, at his best, R2 is a pretty dubious authority figure. I know, right? In the meantime, the B plot is that Grievous and Kenobi are dueling mm-hmm. and it's pretty intense, and Kenobi decides to leave him the ship to abandon the cruiser, but he rigs it to self-destruct, and Grievous barely skitters away in time. He has to fling at least two droids out of the way to die. This is not a person who is afraid of a <laughs> cowardly escape. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, importantly, this leaves the younglings entirely on their own. Obi-Wan is a terrible babysitter, <laughs> and... Gnodi has flight simulator training. So they concoct this plan. They land on Florum. Gnodi is going to stay with R2 and the ship so they can make a quick getaway if they need it. And the others decide to storm Hondo Onaka's base. With no plan and nothing but their, you know... Their good attitudes and like a couple of lightsabers. On the way, with this dubious plan, they are picked up by a traveling carnival act. You cannot make this up. So this carnival is got a Doug like Sebulba. His name is Pliego. And he has a mustache that is four feet wide if it's an inch. <laughs> and there's a whole bunch of Alina, who you'll recall from that crazy episode where C-3PO and... R2-D2 go yeah. to the underground world. And they're like the craziest little tiny creatures just yelling and screaming. And they decide, these younglings decide that they are now a traveling acrobatics crew. They stop Priego and his carnival ship and 
Petro says, we are acrobats. And they all pick a dumb pose in perfect timing, perfectly synchronous. It's like the best thing I've ever seen. And Priego takes one look and he's like, your artists, please join my traveling circuits. Well, because they're using their Jedi powers and they're able to form like three person pyramids out of nothing. It's a bunch of 10 year old kids. It's they are impressive. so great. If this Jedi thing doesn't work out for them, I think they have a future in the carnival business. So they pull up to Hondo's base. The show begins immediately. Their costumes are fabulous. They have this amazing act. They pull Hondo into one of their stunts. So they stand him on the edge of a seesaw. I feel like I should mention here that Hondo is completely wasted. He is hammered. And uh, Katuni has light-fingered uh, Ahsoka's lightsabers yeah. off his belt. So while he's on the seesaw, Katuni like, steals both of Ahsoka's lightsabers out of his pockets. And then Biff is decked out in orchids and lilies he's in this like unitard he waves some flowers around he's standing at the top of the ship he says something majestic and he cannonballs off the ship hondo goes flying they run for it exit pursued by pirates hondo is very excited about this act because once again he is hammered he is so drunk it is it is oh it is the drunkest i've ever seen a cartoon it is absolutely incredible so yes they grab ahsoka they zoom across the plains they're pursued by pirates and they call into Gnodi and they're like get the ship ready we got to take off and that is where we end the episode uh priego is also running off as fast as he can because he's afraid of hondo's retribution and hondo is pouring his tears out to a circus painted dinosaur it's such a wacky arc. <laughs> so that was bound for rescue. What happens in a necessary bond? This one is choose your enemies wisely as they may be your last hope. So now we're in a running gunfight as the younglings have stolen a tank. It's probably the same tank that Jar Jar stole way back last time mm, he was very here. Very possible. Mm -hmm. Apparently that one's got like the key stuck in the ignition or something. So they're stealing it and they're in this crazy running gunfight and they're getting shot. So eventually they're able to radio ahead to the ship and they get a hold of Gnodi and she's just in the back chilling with Huang and R2 like, oh yeah, it's so cool. It sucks that it took so long to weld your head back on. And then they're like... Important to note, she gets his head back on, but not his arms. Yes. So he is of limited use in this situation. So then they get on the radio and they're like, Gnodi, help. And she's like, hey, how are you guys doing? And Ahsoka's like... Hey, Gnodi, we need, this is Ahsoka Tana. We should, she's like, oh, we rescued you. And she's like, yes, we have to tell you the plan now. So the plan is that the ship is going to go extremely low. They're going to lower the ramp and everyone is going to jump from the tank onto the ramp while pursued by pirates. And this plan almost goes off without a hitch. Yeah, she grabs Biff and Gunji. Mm -hmm. She's holding on to them. They're swinging from her arms. Petro is down there steering, but he has to shove them over to the right so they don't go off a cliff. Mm -hmm. And so they come back around, and right as they do, the tanks, which are following them being driven by pirates, shoot the engines. The crucible is about to go down. Okay, you missed the part where tiny baby Gnodi is holding on to four younglings with her noodle arms. This it's is like true. a daisy chain of baby Jedi. Some hot flying from R2 as well. <laughs> but as the ship is going down, they all decide to jump down to the tank. 
uh, and R2 pushes Huang off, and then the tank crashes, and they are captured by pirates. As they're brought back to the pirate base, they see that the Separatists, on their way through Obi-Wan's fleet, have come for revenge against Hondo, and Grievous is walking, he shoots his way into Hondo's base, he walks through Hondo's bar, stands up on Hondo's desk and says, all your bases belong to us. He throws down a holocron, and it turns out Dooku is pissed about the last time that he hung out with Hondo Onaka and was Hondo's prisoner. Yes, which is like back in season one. Uh, It's Yes, it is early days. Or he's mad because uh, Hondo supplied... Ahsoka and the Onderon rebels with missiles. Does not matter. Dooku is officially not on Hondo Onaka's good side. It's it's pretty bad. So Hondo is very anti this plan, but all the pirates are captured. Ahsoka and the younglings are still outside the base, and they're because the pirates who captured them are like, Yeah, we're being invaded. I'm not gonna go in there and figure out what's going on. And Ahsoka says, You realize that. You can't ransom me to the Separatists because they'll kill me, then they'll kill you. You won't get paid. Our only solution is to get a ship. And they're like, oh, well, all of our ships were blown up. But She's Hondo like, is Hondo has- Onaka a pirate or not? Yeah. And they're like, well, Hondo has a secret pirate ship stash, but only he knows where it is. And she's like, well, I guess we'll have to rescue Hondo. So all the Jedi get together. They all are ready to try out their lightsabers, although Katuni's lightsaber, she is still a work in progress. She has not gotten it working yet. So <laughs> there's a very funny scene where Grievous gets a holocron from a droid who's like, we're being attacked by miniature Jedi. And Grievous is like, what are you talking about? And then he's like, oh, my knees. And then the battle droid goes down. <laughs> and Petro runs off. So they are under attack by miniature Jedi in the prison. They get there and they're ready to cut Hondo down. And Hondo is either sobering up or something. He's got real weird energy going on. And he puts off this crazy speech of like, I need you all to be like strong for me and and show me your power. And Katuni's lightsaber is still not working. And so he gives her a, a speech of like, you can do it. You can do it to, to rescue us. This is the Jedi you are. And I mean, kind of. Yeah, it's a weird It's a weird moment. There's a nice moment. The point is that they free everybody. Yes. And there's an absolutely cinematic battle scene. The younglings do great. And then they hop on speeders and they flee into the canyons. So all the younglings are on a tank, except for Katuni, who jumped on Hondo's speeder bike. She's like, I got your back. He's like, okay, I guess. Great. So the pirates speeder bike off and make it to Hondo's secret base, but they get split off from the tank. The tank is being followed by General Grievous, and Grievous jumps on top of it and is fighting. Huang inside is like, R2, do something. And R2's like, oh my god, these talkie droids, I hit them. And so he does a flip, which throws Grievous away, also crashes the tank. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the pirates are all climbing aboard Boba Fett's ship, Slave One. That was Slave One? It was. Wow. And they're like, all right, time to go. And continues like, wait, aren't we going to rescue the rest of the younglings? And Honda's like... No. He's straight up going to leave them to die by grievous attack. And he says, you can come with us and be a pirate, or you can stay and try to rescue your friends. And we cut back to as Grievous is crawling out of the wreckage of this thing, skittering along. All the younglings are pushed up against this cliff edge. They are ready to fight and die. Ahsoka's ready to defend them. 
when Slave One appears, Katuni comes down the ramp. The younglings start climbing aboard. Ahsoka and Grievous are fighting. Ahsoka and Grievous 2.0. It is a tough fight. Grievous like grabs her face with his foot claw and slams her into the ground. Right then, Hondo starts shooting at her or shooting at Grievous, and Ahsoka is able to escape. And all the good guys escape, and we go to Kenobi, who is since uh, after blowing up his own ship to blow up Grievous, is now getting the earful from Hondo and Hondo's trying to give him a bill for rescuing these younglings. Hondo's like, or Kenobi says, so you're saying that you rescued them and you didn't blow up the youngling cruiser. And Hondo's (laughs) like, I'll just send you my bill. (laughs) He gives Katuni a little wink. Mm -hmm. And then Obi-Wan says, be proud. You survived an ordeal that few younglings could. Huang says, hasn't been this much craziness since when Master Yoda got his lightsaber crystal. And they're like, oh my God, tell us about Master Yoda. And then, da-da! And they all put their lightsabers in, the mid- in a circle in the middle and are now young Jedi. Yay! It was so nice. The, uh, the circus part is one of my very favorite moments in all of Clone Wars. Oh my gosh. There are so many times in the Clone Wars when we take these weird turns and all of a sudden everything is very surreal. Mm-hmm. I was calling back to the R2 and 3PO arc when they go on this mystical, magical Gulliver's travel adventure. Mm-hmm. That was the level of bizarreness that the traveling circus conjured up in me. Yeah, and it's funny because in the first two episodes of this arc, we have like a, this very mystical element of finding the lightsaber crystals. And then yeah, we- it's kind of serious, and there's lore, and there's this ancient Jedi tradition, mm-hmm. and then, oh my god, Ahsoka got sucked out into space, what's going to happen? Yeah, and that part is wild because very compelling yeah and it's it's like a space horror thing right where like you are being attacked in a spot that you thought was a spot of safety now we move to now the younglings have to rescue their teacher which is a fun element of star wars right that the young are always rescuing the old yeah yeah i found myself thinking especially with this four-part arc that some of my favorite Clone Wars content is when you can boil the plot down to one sentence. Mm -hmm. Like for me, this arc was basically all they wanted to do was build their stupid lightsabers and go home. Yep. That was the whole, that was the arc. (laughs) But instead they had to learn a bunch of crazy stuff and hang out with Hondo. It was delightful. I mean, where do you want to start? What do you want to talk about? Uh, Well, this, I want to describe this circus a little more because it's just Amazing. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, is it Priego? Priego. Yeah. So, Priego's ship, it's a starship that doesn't fly. It just hovers. It's being hauled, pulled by creatures. And the crew up top, it's all these little Alina, and it takes like two of them to man the controls. And so, he's yelling at them this whole time to like turn left or turn right. And they're hardly paying attention. They just have their own little language. During the circus, when they're playing the drums to like increase the tension of what's going on, there's two of them, one of them sitting on the the other's shoulders, and they're drumming by juggling balls into a drum. It is an absolutely delightful space circus. There are such incredible costumes for all of the younglings. Oh, yeah. Biff is like the most beautiful Ithorian who has ever existed. He's decked out in 
those cherry blossoms from mm-hmm. Carlac. Oh, yeah. From a friend in need. Yeah, and he has a bunch of them all over. Uh, Petro Zat has... is dressed up as like a rancor. Yeah, and then uh, Petro has some, some crazy animal costume as well. They all have weird animal costumes. There's a fun George Lucas piece of trivia, which is that Katuni's costume was styled off of Willie's from the second Indiana Jones movie <laughs> when she's performing. Yeah, yeah. Which is the only Indiana Jones reference that I will probably tolerate because, as you know, I do not like Indiana Jones. Well, we did that. That's funny because uh, when Willie sang that song, Anything Goes, mm-hmm. that is the song that um, Cy Snoodles is singing. Yeah. Her, so yeah. that's a fun callback. This is um, a really crazy arc. And then the thing that got me on this watch through is watching Drunk Hondo. Drunk Hondo was a vibe. Yeah. He's very mercurial and like calls himself out on it. I was going to say, I think Hondo was a little bit less self-possessed for parts of this arc. I do think he had a comeback. So the first three episodes, it is hard to like Hondo. Mm -hmm. But by the time we get to a necessary bond, I think maybe he'd sobered up. Like maybe Maybe. he had confronted the consequences of his actions. And he he has some really lovely moments with the younglings. So the most interesting one is when they're freeing him and he's like giving Katunia pep talk to build her lightsaber. And he's like, ah, yes, put it together because just watching a, a Jedi put together the, their lightsaber is priceless itself. Well, and also it's such a cool mentor moment because yeah. Katuni of all the younglings has not been able to finish her lightsaber. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we're going into battle. This is extremely dangerous. I don't need an unarmed Jedi youngling on my conscience. You have to finish your shiz right Mm -hmm. so he makes her finish it in front of him and then he cheers and then he wants katuni to be the one to cut him down yeah like i think i think that was just such a lovely small moment between them that humanized him a little bit it does and so right after that ahsoka calls him out on his behavior and she's like, so what was that all about? And he says, I don't like bringing children into battle. Mm-hmm. And Ahsoka says, what about when you came and attacked us? And he says, well, today's a different day. Okay, the freedom, the absolute freedom of being Hondo Onaka. You know, he's like, I woke up today and I liked children. Lucky for you. Mm-hmm. You know, in the other, in the first two episodes, mm-hmm. he's like, I woke up today and I felt like making a profit. Unlucky for you. Like mm-hmm. Hondo Onaka cannonballs around the galaxy doing whatever he wants. Yeah. And so it's interesting to me seeing this over the backdrop of him being extremely drunk. Because that back and forth thing is, you know, one of the behaviors you have when you're drunk. I mean, I think it would, I think there were a lot of pieces of plot armor floating around. So Huang's head being ripped off so he can't tell the younglings, no, you can't go rescue Padawan Tano. Hondo being drunk, because I think it would be very hard to sleight of hand two lightsabers out of his pockets mm-hmm. if he wasn't drunk. Yeah. Even the grievous assault on Kenobi and, and Cody's cruiser was very plot armory so that the younglings have no one stopping them from mounting this kind of reckless rescue. Yeah. Although that calls back to... so. 
Grievous was introduced in episode three. And then when they made him during the 2002 2D animated uh, Clone Wars, he was a terrifying monster. Mm -hmm. He was like the first time we see him fight Jedi, it's like 25 Jedi and he kills like 20 of them. There's like five survivors and he is like running around on the ceiling and just killing Jedi. And it is very scary seeing and but during the 3D Clone Wars, he's kind of a doofus. You know, he's kind of a he's a team rocket villain a little bit where he's always blasting off again. He never really has any victories and he's often running away with his tail between his legs. I think that's also one of the foibles of a prequel. Yes. Piece of content, right? Because we know that Grievous has to make it to episode three. So you can't have anything too crazy going on with him because it would, you know, it's like when people travel back in time mm-hmm. and do one dumb thing and then it ripples forward and the future has changed. Yeah. You can't do that with Grievous. But in this arc, he was scarier. Oh my God. And I think that's cool. The absolute rage and like, helpless indignation I feel when he duels Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. Every time I see Grievous going up against Ahsoka, something about like my, like I get this like feral response. I'm like, how dare you tower over my Padawan, (laughs) my baby, and threaten her with your four lightsaber windmills. Like he is so big and she is so small. She is able to hold her own in this fight as opposed to the previous time they fought, which was during the uh, the evil droid arc. The replacement droid arc? Yeah. Yep. In season one. Yeah. But she I mean, has come a, a long way, but she has one Padawan. And she might be the best Padawan in the entire Jedi command structure, but she's one Padawan. Yeah. And I just like, my eyes welled up. I was like, this is so unfair. Well, just previously, uh, Grievous had run Obi-Wan off his own ship, right? So Obi-Wan yeah. was I think, apparently Grievous got a firmware update or something. So he's doing pretty well. <laughs> he juiced up his lightsaber arms. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's got an extra battery pack today. So one thing that I absolutely loved about these two episodes is that the meeting of Grievous and Hondo is like the first meeting of this major villain and this really nefarious, well-known, morally gray figure. Because mm-hmm. Hondo's like General Grievous, I presume. Yeah. Like, it's fun to think that all the characters that we see in the Clone Wars are on the scale of heroes and villains. Mm-hmm. They have reputations. They are known. When they walk into a room, people know who they are without them having to announce themselves. Yeah. And I think it lent this kind of, like, storybook feel to that meeting between Grievous and Hondo. I do like that a lot. It speaks to this age, this like um, epic age of, of heroes where someone walks into the room and everyone kind of whispers and already knows who they are. Like that dude's Beowulf or yeah. like that dude is King Arthur. Yeah. And that's not something that like we have in our modern society because like all the power brokers are interchangeable white dudes in suits. So it's like you can't really tell one from the other. But when you see someone walk into your sketchy pirate fortress and they have robot arms and an army of robots and lightsabers, you're like, God, that is definitely General Grievous. Yeah, I mean, we don't have such distinct markers yeah. of reputation and power and prestige. Mm-hmm. The uh, the universal symbol of like 
power these days is a suit and like a black Amex credit card. Mm -hmm. So like when Obi-Wan Kenobi walks into a room, he has a lightsaber on his hip and he's wearing a Jedi cloak. And you're like, that's Obi-Wan freaking Kenobi. (laughs) And General Grievous waltzes in and you're like, that dude's horrifying. I'm pretty sure that's General Grievous. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be different if we were all walking around in like power suits. Yeah. Although that's also like, as part of that epic heroic feeling, you broadcast your identity. Mm-hmm. Whereas power brokers in real life want to hide their identity. Right. right. Yeah. If you are the uh, if you're the crime lord at the top of your weird pirating syndicate, you're not like my name is Hondo Onaka. Yeah, although he is pretty famous. So another note that I have, and this is uh, this I found on the internet from someone from a super fan named Strictly Tales. So right when at the beginning of this half, Ahsoka is held captive and Hondo says, I have a buyer for female Jedi dead or alive. Okay. Yeah. So last episode, we had Ariana, the multiverse kid, and her dad, Raphael, the geeky dad on the podcast. So there was a couple things that I didn't want to bring up because we had a 10-year-old on the show, (laughs) and that is absolutely one of them. And you can find a lot of that on our Patreon uh, leftovers content. Yeah, we we recorded a 35-minute bonus episode after the first half of the Ahsoka and Mm -hmm. Younglings arc, and we talked about a lot of this, but we didn't talk about the horrifying implications when Hondo looks at Ahsoka and says, I'm going to make a profit off of you dead or alive. Mm -hmm. And the thoughts that came into my brain were so gruesome. Yeah. And, and so not even PG 13. So here is what this super fan theorizes is that it is, Someone named Latrans, who is a Zygerian slave trader who, and this um, was somewhat partially like run by Filoni, that Ahsoka had originally been picked up by Latrans, who had masqueraded herself as a Jedi in order to enslave Padawans, and Plo Koon rescued her from Latrans. What? And so this person... This Zygerian slave trader who trades in female Jedi might be uh, in the market again. So where did Dave Filoni corroborate that? Um, I don't know. It was, you know, this is deep internet lore that's like years and years old. So it's hard to corroborate anything. But uh, some screenshots and stuff said that like, I guess this this is an arc that was to be, but never was realized. Interesting. I mean, we covered dark territory in the Clone Wars. But the closest, I think the closest we got to sexual violence Mm -hmm. was in the uh, Senate spy arc with Padme and Rush Clovis. And in the Zygerian arc, when Ahsoka is enslaved and Anakin is having to pose as her slave master. And there's all kinds of horrifying undertones, especially in that arc. But the thought that you can even make a profit off of a dead Jedi... 
off of a female Jedi corpse mm-hmm. is so antithetical to everything that I care about. Like I, I don't, I, I don't yeah. even know how to broach that on our G-rated podcast. And uh, so we have the Doctor Afra omnibus, twelve hundred pages of comic books, and there's which some, is canon, yes. Uh, depends on when it was written. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but there are some, I mean, it's a big galaxy and there's creatures which are basically vampires who want to vampirize force wielders so they have access to the force or mind control things. There's all these mind control devices as well as being able to just take apart a body and vivisect it or dissect it to find out what makes a Jedi tick. Or did they want like the midi-chlorians in her blood? Or You know what is interesting is that if this fan theory or this partially corroborated Mm -hmm. headcanon is true, that actually mirrors Ahsoka's journey to Asajj Ventress's. Because Asajj Ventress was a Force-sensitive slave before she was rescued by a Jedi Master who took her in as a Padawan. The parallels between Ahsoka and Asajj are really intriguing. Not only do they both use two lightsabers, which I think shows like the sort of light side and dark side, they're both aliens, and they both have this very interesting journey with femininity as well as the relationship with Kenobi and Anakin, right? It's this back and forth. There's going to be a lot more of that uh, in the rest of season five. Interesting. Yeah. So I think you're onto something there, that there is a parallel between Asajj and Ahsoka, not just a similar spelling. (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. I'm going to have to think about it, especially because... We didn't get as much Ahsoka in these last two episodes, Bound for Rescue and A Necessary Bond. Yeah. We, I think we got more of her in the first two. But what I remember thinking is that these four episodes put together really hammer home how far Ahsoka's journey has already progressed since mm-hmm. the Clone Wars movie when, he, when we met her the first time. Like, she was always special. She walked off of that ship in the Clone Wars movie and was, like, ready for action. Mm-hmm. But we saw her in this, like, almost distant and removed position of authority. Yeah. In, in this arc that was interesting because normally Ahsoka is kind of an audience stand-in, right? She's relatable. She's warm. I wonder how much of that is off of uh, what we talked about last episode about how this whole arc is taken from a pilot attempt to make a new Youngling show, Mm. which speaking of, there's one coming out as of like in between last episode and this episode was Star Wars Celebration. And apparently there's a new show out about a bunch of Younglings. Okay, so in the last four days, (laughs) Star Wars has announced six new projects, if I'm counting correctly. Everything from Mando season three to a new youngling show to an animated prequel show. Mm -hmm. So there's so much. The Star Wars canon is exploding. But yes, we did get two youngling specific projects announced. So I wonder if this is... uh if they're reviving this concept, because this was an incredibly fun arc. Oh my God, fascinating. Yes. Here's what I thought. 
We've gotten a lot of episodes that centered around or included youngling figures or like Padawan age figures. But I have not loved a crew of younglings in my life like I love this crew of younglings. So in comparison to the previous time we hung out with a lot of younglings, which was the uh, Ahsoka Hunted arc, I think for me, it's the voices. Interesting. Say more. Uh, I noted in that episode that the voices of the younglings, they're basically voiced by adults. And that shows perhaps that they were aged by trauma. Or that they had been stuck on this Trandoshan mm-hmm. bounty hunting, big game hunting island for so long that they were aging out of youngling status. Yeah, but then these all had very youngling uh, mannerisms as well as voices. Really distinct voices. Like when Katuni finishes her lightsaber, they all cheer and all the all the younglings are hanging out and all of the adults in the room are like having a separate conversation because that makes sense that like when you're a kid and your friend who's a kid like does something amazing, the first person they're going to celebrate with is you. Like it's not something you do for your parents. It's something you do and you're expecting the accolades from your friends. And it draws that really distinct divide that Ahsoka's an adult in this situation. Yes. She's probably 15 or 16, and she's so far removed. As heroic and dashing and capable as our little youngling crew is, mm-hmm. Ahsoka can do more on her own than six younglings can do together. So it makes sense that she's over there with the adults. And that goes back to the very first part of, of this arc, which or of this episode of the podcast, the third episode of the arc, when they're calling to Kenobi and Kenobi's like, if Hondo has Ahsoka, he would he wouldn't dare harm her. He says that because he knows that like Ahsoka has beat Hondo a few times and is willing to do it again. That he Kenobi fully trusts Ahsoka to take care of the situation herself and get out of it alive. That is a much more positive reading than I had of Kenobi's actions in this arc. So I actually really appreciate that. Well, I was like, all we want is a bad dad. I mean, he it, it's extenuating circumstances, right? He like gets off the phone with Petro and is like. Cody, I need you to go rescue these younglings. Hyperspace warning, Grievous shows up, is on your ship, invades your ship, and you have to run away from your own ship and scuttle it and try to blow up Grievous on it. Like, that's not bad. That's that's extenuating circumstances. Did Kenobi really need Cody that bad to... Well, it's not like he could split his forces in the middle of a battle to send off like a rescue fleet. Like In the middle of a battle, he had to be like, it can wait like until the end of this battle because the space battle is not going to take hours, hopefully. And even if it does take hours, I think that if he had won, it would have been a matter of 15 minute delay. But because he lost, it was a real problem. But if he had split his forces, then he okay. might not even survive. Yeah. Here's the uh, here's a little story that I had spun up in my head. Oh, yeah. I was thinking about the long tradition of absent parental figures that are cast so frequently in like youngling centered media Mm -hmm. to create the space for younglings to do dumb stuff. Like um, in my foundational content, my foundational piece of media, Pokemon, Uh Ash Ketchum and Misty and Brock travel around the countryside as 10 year olds. There are no parents around. They're back in Pallet Town. No, they all died in the war. 
Sam. Okay, but it's such a fairy tale legend thing. Like you have an orphaned teenager or like you have a young person and they had loving parents and then the mom died and the dad married this horrible hag, step witch. And so the young person runs away and has adventures, right? Like absentee parents allow for some of these kind of outrageous adventures that very young people go on so we can have a story about young people. Yeah, I really see that. And what's funny is as you're as you're talking about that, I'm I'm thinking of um how like being of the exact age I am, there's this generational gap where all of the wealth belongs to people older than me and how like my parents are like, oh yeah, you could, you know, it'd be cool if you took over a family business or something or took over the family land when we pass. And I'm like, why? Like, what? why would I chain myself that way? And when you go back to like the fantasy era, if you were just growing up on a farm on Felucia or something, then you have to be part of your family business to move forward. And that's because the Star Wars universe is fundamentally fundamentally futile, mm-hmm. right? Because there's dukes, there's duchess, there's there's rampant capitalism and there's really nothing to stop it. And so what you have then is, of course, only the people who are liberated from the bonds of their parents' expectations are able to thrive. Right. So they either do that through tragedy, their parents die, mm-hmm. or they selfishly strike out to find their fortune, you know, like there's a an element of violence in all of it of yeah. like forcibly separating or being separated from your parental figures, your authority mm-hmm, structures. Mm-hmm. And I think we totally saw that they had to rip off Professor Huang's head to I'm- remove an authority figure and then stage a massive space battle to uh, to get rid of the other ones. I think you're onto something there because I'm thinking of the one of the strongest parental bonds that lasts the longest is actually between Anakin and Shmi and how that bond of him trying to live to be the person that she wanted him to be, but like doing all this evil stuff because she had this belief that he was fundamentally a good person, which meant that he was absolved of the guilt of doing evil things. And the pressure of her believing that he was special. Yeah. Because when one of the most destructive things you can say to a child is like, you are special. Absolutely. Instead of saying you are hardworking, you are smart, you can do amazing things if you put your mind to it. If you just say you are special, Mm -hmm. then that can go so many destructive ways. And it puts this pressure to be remarkable no matter what, whether it's good or bad. And that's how Mama Anaka made Hondo a alcoholic. <laughs> oh my God. The flaky uncle energy. I wrote the Hondo exact same thing. I said, I said drunken uncle energy yeah. because that is what, like he's sitting there and there's these kids around and he's like teetering between creepy, dangerous, and lovable like a metronome. Yes. He's not a good uncle. He's that fun, flaky uncle that occasionally shows up mm-hmm. and like promises that he'll take you to the baseball game and then disappears for three years. Or it does take you to the baseball game, but it's the World Series and you have to hide in the trunk with all of this like <laughs> bootleg Canadian playboys and a bunch of duty-free scotch from Mexico. Oh my God. 
<laughs> yeah, that is the energy the Hondo Onaka brings to this. It's heart. like Hondo Onaka promises to pick you up from school, but he gets busy smoking cigars in the back of the like Italian restaurant with his buddies from the mafia, yeah, and like he, forgets to pick you up from H- school. Hondo Onaka picks you up from school in a stolen car. <laughs> that's that's the energy he's bringing. And it's it's kind this of is the stressful. Hondo Onaka has brought into the studio today. It's kind of stressful, honestly. I don't love it. Don't hate but it. But I do love it because he's not my crappy uncle, you know? Yeah. He's just someone's crappy uncle. Someone's And like, you're a great uncle. time, my dude. Did you notice some of the other ships that Hondo had in his stable of ships? No, I was so stressed out that he was going to leave the younglings on Florum mm-hmm. that I was like, Hondo, come on. How dare you? How dare you? Very dare. So one of them is a G1A, which is the same as the Twilight, uh, which is the hero ship from that Han, uh, that Ionican rebuilt. And it might actually be that ship because I know he crashed it. From the Clone Wars movie? Yeah. Oh, fascinating. It is actually crashed above the secret uh, hole-in-the-wall entrance to Honda's uh, stable of ships. And the other one is a Sora sub yacht, like what? Evil Kenobi. What was his name? Rocco Hardine. Yeah, like Rocco Hardine and Cad Bane were tearing around the galaxy in that Whoa. big yacht ship. It might even be the same one because they had to leave that one behind. So, yeah, there's some cool ships in there. There's a lot of really interesting detail in this one, but what really spoke to me a lot in the second half of this arc are the exceptional battle scenes. Ooh, yeah. So starting off with the star battle at the beginning, it's really tight there's no hero ships or anything there's this beautiful scene as a y-wing is flying along it's got three z95s behind it being just hunted by vultures one of the z95s does a slow like hits the brakes and pulls behind two of the vulture droids and shoots them to pieces but more vulture droids are coming the turret gunner and this y-wing is shooting and shooting and shooting until the y-wing gets shot and it crashes into the landing bay of kenobi's ship this whole thing takes like 20 seconds and it's like, what? this is an intense space battle. Then we get to like this running battle through Kenobi's ship. You hear gunfire everywhere when Grievous lands. It's with a whole bunch of the HMP droid gunships from the Onderon arc. Apparently they can store just big Pez dispensers of battle droids underneath them. And the ship is just clobbered full of droids. And Kenobi is getting into this fight with Grievous and is pushed back, but it is a very quick, tight fight. The next fight that is so, so cool is when Ahsoka and Hondo and the younglings are all escaping because the they get into the fortress yard, the pirate fortress training yard, drinking yard, whatever. It's full of droids. And they're shooting it up, and Ahsoka is running forward. She's dead. Oh my god, it's absolutely so cinematic. Mm-hmm. The uh, you know that sound effect from action movies that really deep, like whoa, yeah, yeah, yeah. when when like something is hanging in midair, they give that to Ahsoka when she leaps into the air, basically turns a cartwheel Mm -hmm. and comes down and slashes a super battle droid in one move and lands in a crouch like Black Widow. I was like, that is the coolest Ahsoka move I've seen in so long. 
Then we cut to Petro and Katuni working together. Double teaming some battle droids. They have different stances as well. Katuni is left-handed and she has one hand behind her back because she's in Makashi form like Dooku. Oh. Yeah. So they just take to these forms naturally and are dueling and they're both killing a battle droid. And Hondo is charging through them with some sort of vibro scimitar or vibro saber. Just he's chopping through droids as well. You rarely get to see Hondo enact violence personally. Okay, so I have a question. Mm-hmm. Moving back to Katuni and Petro. So in the first two episodes of this arc, there's a moment when Petro's like, I'm going to build my lightsaber and I'm going to kill General Grievous and I'm going to duel Obi-Wan Kenobi. And he puts his two little peace fingers out in mm-hmm. Kenobi's Soryesu form. Yeah. Did you catch what form Petro was using when he was fighting with Katuni? It looked more like Ataru, which is uh, Anakin's form. Oh, uh, actually, that makes so much more sense. Yeah. It is the striking it's the, uh, form. arrogant young boy. Jedi form. They all have their their uses, although most people end up mastering one, maybe two. Uh, I think Anakin mastered three and Mace mastered one that no one's mastered in a thousand years and things like that. So, But yeah, the whole idea of lightsaber forms is kind of crazy because it takes a lot from fencing, right? And, and uh, historical European martial arts where you have all these different fencing styles, but really a lot of those depend on the tool at hand. But with a light, I mean, a lightsaber is such a weird weapon because like it's, you cannot touch it. You know, there's, there's no false hits on it. Right. Whereas something like kendo, which is Japanese sword fighting martial arts that has, uh, is very strictly judged because when you're armored using samurai armor and you hit someone with a katana, only certain cuts will actually penetrate the armor. Hmm. So the, the referee is like, that's good. That's not good. It has to be at a certain spot. It has to have a certain strength. It has to be a certain speed. Um, so, but a lightsaber doesn't care. So all of these action scenes with the younglings, there's mm-hmm. something that I picked up on that sent me over the moon it's that we got to see some of the younglings internalizing their lessons mm-hmm. from the beginning of the arc. Yes. So I noticed it first with Petro because Petro's journey has been learning selflessness. So he was the one at the beginning of a necessary bond when they're trying to outrace the pirates to get mm-hmm. back to Gnodi and the ship. Ahsoka like pops a helmet on the steering wheel to try to keep it straight. That'll which, work. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like spit and duct tape and bubble gum would have done a better job. I'm surprised it doesn't have like an auto go straight button, but yes. But Petro's the one who gave up his chance to get onto the boarding ramp and he dove back down into the cockpit and was flying the ship. And I thought that was a more selfless thing than we have seen Petro do instinctively before. That's It's interesting to bring that up because the one who had to do the jump from the top of the ship onto the fulcrum to yeet Hondo and Naka across the room. Who was the one who had to face fear. Okay, also, he was the first one to make the jump onto the boarding ramp when Mm -hmm. no one had done it before. And he's literally swinging from Gennody's spaghetti arms And when Grievous threatens Ahsoka at the end of A Necessary Bond, Biff is like ready to rumble. He trash talks Grievous in a Thorian. Mm -hmm. It was the best. And then obviously, you know, Katuni has been learning confidence. 
and sat down in front of 10 adults and finished her lightsaber. Yeah. Without breaking a sweat and hopped on the back of Honda's speeder and was like, don't worry, I got you. I know. Isn't that cool? Although, out of all the younglings, I do think in this second half of this arc, only really... Petro and Katuni have any... Oh, yeah. Anything going on. Everyone else got a raw deal. Yeah. Zat basically was like, hey, the coolant system is broken. And then Gunji got no speaking lines. Yeah. 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 But... That's the difficulty with having six protagonists that you love and are rooting for. There's not a lot of time for everyone in the ensemble to have their moment of glory. And I think that they did need to escalate the situation by introducing uh, Grievous onto Obi-Wan. Because otherwise, at that point where they're in the ship, it's like, okay, yeah, you need to call for help. Because the failure to call for help is like just a tropey cardinal sin for this type of thing. You really like calling for help and then help doesn't arrive is a much more interesting story than we were too proud to call for help, especially because Jedi are, especially presumably younglings are supposed to be beyond that. Yeah. They wove this storyline very carefully and Mm -hmm. very meticulously so that you could still kind of root for everybody. Everyone got like a redeeming factor. Yeah. Even Hondo Onaka. (laughs) Someone write the fan fiction of, Katsuni running off to join Hondo Onaka's Merry Band of Pirates because of all the AUs, I want that one. That would be that would be fun. I mean, he offered. That was an interesting, interesting dynamic they had. It did seem like he was taking on the ability to be a father figure at some point. They had a cool connection. Yeah. It was nice. Is it that time? Is is it time for Baywatch on the beach of Florum? It's time for Baywatch. Baywatch it's time for Baywatch. Baywatch. Sam, who's your bae? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to go with the one, the only, Hondo Onaka. Hondo Onaka! Tell me why. Um, Okay, so I hated him in uh, the first episode of this arc because... Sam has no patience for bad uncles. I I mean, it's not that. Like, I, I guess because my journey has been struggles with alcoholism, so... And I'm years beyond that now, but seeing that up and down is really tough to see. And I, the first time I saw this, so I was still drinking because it came out, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. So the, uh, the idea of that up and down, happy and unhappy was pretty, pretty weird. But then in the fourth episode, when he does pep talk Katuni, when he does do that aside with Ahsoka and also something that I recognize in myself a lot is like, today's a new day. Mm. I'm allowed to have a different opinion about what I'm doing today than yesterday. And people will get up in my case about that. I'm like, well, it's a different day. There's- oh my God, the freedom to be Hondo Onaka. Like, yeah. may we all aspire to wake up and say, yes, today I do like children mm. and I'm going to be nice to you. So then he does charge an entire battalion of battle droids with nothing but a vibro sword, which is very cool. We've seen him fight before, and he can actually fight like up to Anakin Skywalker's level almost with his uh, Vibra staff. And he knows gonna... how to pick his battles. He that's how you stay alive. Very notoriously and and very publicly does not get in the way of the Aura Singh Ahsoka battle. The last time we were on Florum, he, I mean, he didn't get in the way last time he saw Ahsoka on Onderon, which is like 
the previous week to this. <laughs> and he's like, oh, look at that. Time I to go. Woke up and wanted to fund a revolution. Yeah. Um, but at the end, when Katuni does in fact convince him, or he, which means that he convinced himself that it was the right thing to do because they did rescue him and better to be in the good grace of the Jedi if he's not going to make any profit anyway, despite the fact that that meant getting into a tussle with Grievous. It was fun. What's interesting is that at the end of this, Hondo Anaka is a significantly reduced figure, is he not? He has had to say, oh, hello, to the consequences of his actions. He has no ships except for the one he's on. Mm -hmm. His arsenal has been melted down. He's got two dudes. His base is overrun. Yeah. And he's made an enemy out of Grievous and Dooku. Yeah. It's like, where does Hondo Onaka go from here? He goes to he goes to General Kenobi and says, "Charge for rescuing younglings." I will send my invoice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because he's he's got the he's got the weakway cojones to back it up. You know, I think that mercurial nature of his probably helps him be like you know. Yesterday I woke up and thought I love being rich and today I woke up and I'm not rich and I'm going to have to wake up tomorrow and like figure out what to do with my completely different life. And I think he'll be okay. I hope so. Hondo Onaka seems like a resilient person. I think he's going to be fine. We'll see. We'll see. How about you? Who's your bae? I thought long and hard about making Hondo my bae and I couldn't quite get there. Mm Mm-hmm. My bay is Katuni. Nice. Because I think Katuni really shone in a really particular way of hers, which is kind of quiet and unassuming and not leading from the front like Petro, but having that independent streak when all of her friends and her commander padawan are going one way and she goes the other she hops on the back of the speeder bike with hondo onaka and says i've got your back i'm gonna keep you safe which tactically is the right move because he's the only one who knows where they're going it is super smart it was also i think very compassionate and kind and very brave very brave and I think it spoke to this like inner trust that she's developing in herself. And I think that is one of the most important things for a young person to cultivate in themselves is trusting themselves. For sure. For sure. Because very, very rarely is there something that you do that feels wrong that is the right thing. Mm. And no matter what anyone tells you, if if something feels wrong, stop and get a second opinion. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, having having that self-confidence that Katuni had is a really compelling thing to aspire to. Yeah. So (laughs) Raphael brought up that we don't know what happens with this crew of younglings. So I'm not going to future cast at all. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say in my brain, in my headcanon, Katuni grows up to be such an amazing Jedi warrior Mm -hmm. and such an amazing woman and just someone that you can look up to and know that she is wise and she has good judgment. I'm sorry. It's been 45 episodes since I've cried on the podcast. I'm crying crying a little bit on the podcast for different reasons, probably, but yeah, possible. But um, yeah, I'm sending a lot of love to Katuni and the, the person that I hope she grows up to be. Yeah. Aww. And that's all I can say without absolutely dissolving into tears. So 
Um, so much love to our baby crew of younglings. I would freaking die for them. <laughs> I don't even like children in real life, but I like these children a lot. Well, they're, you know, they're fake children. Exactly. <laughs> they're aliens who are very responsible. <laughs> yeah. Fly ships and stuff. They're very responsible children, which is probably why I like them so much. So what's up next? Okay, next we have the D Squad arc. D Squad? (laughs) Which is season five of the Clone Wars. Episodes 10 and 11 are the ones that we are doing first. And then after that, we are doing 12 and 13. We are continuing the trend of kind of goofy season five episodes. But this one, you're going to love it. Okay, stick it in my veins. I love these ridiculous episodes. They make me so happy. You are going to love this one. Yay. We have exciting news. After the D-Squad arc, we are doing the Revenge slash Mandalorian Crime Syndicate arc. And we are having special guests from no one other but Wikipedia on the show. We are extremely honored. We are losing our minds. We are so excited. So that would be really cool. And also, you can catch me on Monday talking about Kenobi, first two episodes on Funny Science Fiction. Yay! So exciting. So as you know, I don't get to watch Obi-Wan Kenobi for a little while, but Sam does. Whoop, whoop. And awesome. he is going to be your resource for everything Obi-Wan Kenobi. So feel free to tweet all of your thoughts and your theories and your screaming at Sam at Growing Up Skywa on Twitter. Because <laughs> I control the Twitter. <laughs> and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, and I will be talking about Younglings and D-Squad and D-Squad. Mandalorians and all the good stuff. D-Squad. <laughs> the D-Squad arc is hilarious. I love it. I'm very excited. You can also check us out on Patreon if you want more Skywalker. And visit us online at www.growingupskywalker.com. For these updated Baywatch rankings, which put Katuni up there with like the lights. With Qui-Gon. Yeah. Amazing. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.